Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine and sponsored by Steer. In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bilotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. And welcome to this week's In the Oil Patch. My name's Alvin Bailey here with Kim Bellotto. Kim, how's everything going? You know, we have been so busy out in the field, Alvin. It, it's just been amazing how busy we've, uh, the request for In the Oil Patch show to come and do a remote live or be on hand with Shell Oil and Gas Business Magazine. It's been amazing. Yeah, the amount of coverage that the radio show and the magazine is, is getting recently is just, it's overwhelming. You know, I believe that First of all, the oil and gas industry took a hard hit year, year and a half ago. And now to see that there are not there are a lot less publications in print and, and while I'm glad that there's less competition, I do feel bad for those people that didn't make it through the tough time. But that being said, it has really also intensified our work. We need to be out there and we need to be covering what's going on. And so we've had these requests that have just been coming over and over and over again. And two, we've really grown to being, I think, the only publication in oil and gas that's in Eagle Ford. Uh, there are other publications, of course, but not as many focus on the U.S. shell producing producers as much as we do. You know, there's also, Kim, some, some big things going on with OPEC. But for now, I want to stay on, you know, the, the topic of shale oil and gas business magazine. And you've got a new issue out. That's right, Alvin. It is the president and CEO of Intervest Limited, John Walker. And let's let's talk about the um, let's talk about the article a little bit and and unpack who is John Walker. Great guy, great company, and give us a kind of a preview of the article, Kim. You know, he truly is a model for how to do oil and gas right. When you look at an an individual that just sets out and wants to become this oil and gas mega company if you will and he had some tumbles and he had some falls and then he finally figured out the right formula and then after that it was it's perfect and you know when we were interviewing him I I don't want to give away the whole story but what I will say is anyone that can raise billions of dollars from companies like GE and other really strong financial companies you have to be a solvent and reputable company and what Mr. Walker was able to do is demonstrate that he is that. And so he had some problems in the very beginning, but he overcame Don't them. we all? Exactly. The whole point of the article is that entrepreneurship is alive and well in the United States. And if anything, it demonstrates how hard work, when you fall down, you get dust yourself back off, get up, and become something. Here it is in true form. Yeah, when you fall off the horse, you get back on and you keep riding. Hey, let's uh, let's keep with Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine. What what's some of the other really exciting content that we're going to get in this issue? Well, you know, one of the things that is really exciting to me is we do cover ConocoPhillips and their contributions that they give to the community. But we also have created a show that we will be uh, we'll have them on here soon to talk about all the different things that they're doing, specifically in the Equal Ford Shell. And so this was a great treat for us to just give our listeners and our readers just a, uh, a little bit of a sampling of all the great things that they do. Wonderful company, wonderful opportunity to be introduced to this great company, ConocoPhillips. 
and the issue the new issue's out now. You can get it online. Go to shalemag.com and the new issue is is currently up and online. Yes, it is. Now, if somebody wants a hard copy of the issue of the magazine, how do they get that? They would go to shalemag.com, fill out our information form. Or they can contact us at 210-240-7188. We'll be happy to set them up on a subscription, hard copy. It'll come straight to your office or to your home. Again, go to shalemag.com. That's S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G.com. And uh, check out the new issue. It's a great one. Kim, the Offshore Technology Conference. Uh, let's talk about that. You know, Alvin, we went there as a, to interview some of the individuals that uh, attended the conference um, and some of the CEOs, and the one thing that I really uh, was able to gain from the Offshore Technology Conference was the fact that there is a lot of buzz going on with Mexico. Uh, Mexico offshore, Mexico onshore. It seemed like Mexico played a much bigger role than ever before in OTC. And so I was pretty surprised, very nicely surprised by that fact. And then there were also uh, so many booths out there, so many different technologies that are coming on board to help in the offshore technology. But then, of course, offshore technology isn't too far away from onshore technology. So a lot of them overlap each other. So it's a great conference, a lot of uh, great people that we met. And, you know, Alvin, we ran into a lot of customers of ours like PISA and we also got to interview the Secretary of State. So we're looking forward to bringing him on our show here soon in the near future as well. Great conference, a lot of exhibitors, a lot of attendees. It was amazing. And, you know, for a lot of our listeners who really don't understand what OTC is, it's the Offshore Technology Conference that happens once a year in Houston. And I just have to say, it is the big boy of them all. I think big things are coming in offshore technology. Big, big things are coming in offshore drilling here in the States. I agree with you. I think that what I was able to to gather is the fact that it used to be that the United States was, you know, a different part of the country, and then you had Russia, and you had all these different countries and all these different oil reserves, and different countries were doing different things. And it just doesn't seem to be that way anymore, Alvin. It seems to be that oil and gas, the market is getting smaller, and we are moving into this one market where everything that we do tends to all interact with each other. It's, it's really an unusual situation that's happening, but I think it's probably a good thing. The Women's Energy Network National Conference for 2017 just happened, and you were there, weren't you? I was, Alvin, and you know, to disclose, I do sit on the board in the Houston One chapter, which Women's Energy Network, and, um, you know, I don't sit on any boards. And, and the reason why I don't sit on very many boards is because I just don't have a lot of time. We have the oil patch, and then we have Shell Magazine. And then, of course, I have a life, and I have a family. But I do find that the Women's Energy Network is so important to women that work in the energy market. And so, therefore, I do find time to sit on that board. And so we had our once-a-year conference, which is an amazing conference to bring all these women from all over the planet to come to Houston, which our conference was in Houston this year, and to talk about things that really matter to women in the energy sector, the professional women in the sector. And so it was an amazing, amazing, actually we sold out of the conference. I was so excited. First time ever we sold the conference out. We had great speakers. We had Judy Smith, who actually, I'm sure you've heard of the show Scandal. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, Scandal was actually written because of Judy Smith and the time she worked 
for George Bush Jr. And so it's an amazing. She went into all the different things that were happening, how scandal came to be, but actually that screenplay was written on behalf of her and the role she played with President Bush when he was in office. Great show. I hope she's getting some royalties off of it. I'm sure she probably is. So, Kim, if, if women are, that are working in the energy industry and they're interested in WIN and they want to know more about WIN and why they should join WIN, let, let's talk about that for a second. You know, Alvin, this is the only women's organization that I have found that truly accomplishes their mission. Uh, they do person-to-person events, rather it's uh, a chocolate and wine event. Uh, they give scholarship money out. They literally host about 300 events throughout the year. So there is something for everybody. And it isn't just women in the energy industry. We also have men that attend. We have men uh, that are keynote speakers, speakers throughout the year with us too. There's a lot to get from Women's Energy Network. But the number one thing that's the most important thing is the networking opportunities that a woman has to meet other women and other people in the energy industry or in the business industry and make connections to grow their either business format or their professional format. So I truly believe that this organization is a great organization to start for women. And anyone that wants to grow their professional portfolio, they should join WIN. And where they go to join is womensenergynetwork.org. Again, that's womensenergynetwork.org. Or, Kim, you know, you can also go to shellmag.com and keep an eye out for the link. When you click on the, when you when you find the Women's Energy Network link, just uh, click on that link. It'll take you to the website, and from there, you just find the chapter that's closest to you, and uh, voila. And, you know, one thing that I do want to say, which I'm really proud of with this organization, is we actually just established our Mexico chapter. So we are now international. Well, Kim, that's about going to do it for this segment. And as I mentioned earlier, great guest on tap. So stay with us, and we'll be right back with more in the oil patch. Uh, Amerijet's global cargo network is ready to take care of all your shipping needs. With over 40 years of experience in the energy industry, we will help drive your excellent performance. Shipping general cargo, oversized, heavy lift, hazardous material, or mission-critical cargo? Amerijet is your full-service logistics provider, offering air charter, airport-to-airport, cross-border trucking, and express shipping. Amerijet will connect your company to over 30 major cities in the U.S. with more than 625 destinations worldwide. We provide global transportation solutions throughout the Americas, Mexico, the Caribbean, Europe, Asia, and the Middle East. Your company will benefit from compliance with the highest safety and environmental standards, 24-7 security and surveillance, and online tracking. Let Amerijet's global team ensure the safe delivery of your cargo. For the best in customer satisfaction, Amerijet Houston is your commercial shipping partner. Call Amerijet at 281-617-2187 or visit us at Amerijet.com. Once again, that's 281-617-2187 or visit us at Amerijet.com. Managers, bosses, supervisors, hey, flu season is here. Don't let the flu bug bite your employees. Banish sick days and keep your workforce strong, healthy, and productive with Baptist Healthy Solutions, your answer to convenient and affordable health care that comes to you. Our mobile health unit delivers on-site, state-of-the-art, comprehensive care that keeps your employees healthy from the day they're hired till the day they retire. Trust Baptist Healthy Solutions with your workforce health care needs. Health care that comes to you. Call 866-334-2485. Again, that's 866-334-2485. 
Empower Rural Texas and join the Texas Rural Challenge at the Waco Convention Center from June 29th through the 30th. Hosted by the UTSA Institute for Economic Development SBDC Rural Business Program, this is the largest state event of its kind. Engage in innovative presentations regarding small business leadership and community development or business plan competitions for Texas small business owners and college students. Join the challenge and register as an attendee, vendor, or sponsor at TexasRuralChallenge.org. Hey, 2016 is a great time to grow your business, and there is no time like the present to improve the awareness of your brand. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. Or you can call us. 210-240-7188. And you are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Hi, I'm your host, Kim Bellato. Today, we have a very special guest. Uh, we have the immediate past commissioner of the Texas Railroad Commission, David Porter. David, welcome to the show. Thank you. Appreciate it, Kim. It's great to be here again and, and talk to you and of course, your many radio listeners. Well, you know, we caught up with you in Houston a couple of weeks back, and we were talking about what it what was the uh, sense, what you were feeling about what was going to be happening in the oil market here in 2017, and that was a great show. But I wanted to uh, just quickly talk about what have you been doing since you left the Texas Railroad Commission. Well, it's been an extremely busy time. Uh, Among the things that I've done since getting off the commission in early January are I have moved out of Austin and back into... Normal life? (laughs) (laughs) The traffic (laughs) is gone? Yeah, I'm kind of living out out in the the oil patch now in um, the Austin Chalk area in Giddings, Texas. So that's... uh, been a difference but it's it's good to get back and into the real world and out of austin also have been uh working uh consulting with some oil companies and been all over the state with that much like i was while i was in office and uh, just been busy getting back into the private sector and life in the business sector instead of working as a Commissioner, but it's been a lot of the same type of thing, talking to a lot of oil and gas people, traveling in the state, and still being involved in these issues. Well, you know, it's really exciting for me to announce that, um, you know, we have, now that you have more time, one of the things that we really wanted to do when we started the show was to bring on experts that could talk to our listeners, which are not all of them in oil and gas and highly technical uh, positions, if you will, or employed in, in highly technical positions, we wanted, we wanted to look for great experts that could really break down topics and help us to understand the entire topic of energy. And so I'm really happy that we were able to now, with you separating from holding public office anymore, that you're now uh, going to be a regular resident energy expert and policy expert for us as well. So I'm really excited that you've decided to join our team and come on board because you really do have some great expertise in this area. Well, well, thank you. And I'm really looking forward to being able to share that with the audience and to 
is a very the the whole energy sector, the way it interacts with the foreign events, foreign affairs, and the economy is is very complicated, and it's a great opportunity. And I appreciate it to be able to be on a more regular basis and hopefully we'll have time to sit down and explain things and work through some of these complicated areas in, in a way that begins to make sense. Um, when you talk about oil prices, when you talk about the energy business, it of course is intimately tied to international affairs as well as the economy. And the whole geopolitical scene as well. I mean, how does this affect my daily life are some of the things that all of our listeners want to know because they they really don't understand um, in many ways how complicated this energy industry is. But I think that there is a huge consensus of all of us that we do want to learn more. It's just uh, we can't learn it in the way that, um, you know, these are the uh, specifics that are way too technical for the average person to understand. So, you know, when you were uh, as a commissioner for the Texas Railroad Commission, all that you, the three of you guys, there's three commissioners in Texas, all that you guys did was pretty much regulate this huge industry along with other other things like pipelines and propane, so utilities and um so there's a big, you know, the Texas Railroad Commission is responsible for a lot in Texas. But what uh, is relatively unknown is that even with the name, it's it's somewhat misleading. You guys are the regulatory body that handles oil and gas, regulates it, and also is responsible for keeping the community safe. So if anyone understands the big picture here in Texas of how oil and gas affects us all in our everyday life, it is you. So I'm very excited to have you on our show as uh, our regular that will, um, you know, help us navigate through the waters and, and understanding better. But I do want to get um, into the topic of, you know, it seems like OPEC, OPEC, OPEC is on everybody's mind right now. There is a lot of buzz going on because they've, of course, made some announcements recently about continuing to cut production. So I want to start with, you know, three years ago, they, they they decided that they were going to ramp up production, kind of flood the market, if you will. This is Saudi Arabia. And, um, you know, first things first, when, um, when, when they did this process, um, how do you think that it impacted them versus the U.S. shell producers, David? I certainly, in, in my opinion, when Saudi Arabia increased their production a couple of years, two or three years ago, they were definitely thinking that the U.S. shale producers were the highest cost, uh, least in, uh, least efficient producer, and that uh, by driving uh, prices down, that it would put a lot of the shale producers out of business. I, I think that's what motivated this. They, they tried this before in the 80s, and it worked fairly well for them at that point in time. And then they tried it again this time, and they, I think they expected um, the same much outcome. the same resu- <laughs> result, but it, it didn't work out that way for them. You know, David, I couldn't agree with you more, but we do have to take a real quick break. You are listening to In the Wool Patch Radio Show, and we will be right back. 
PISA is the Petroleum Equipment and Services Association, who is the unified voice for the energy industry's service, supply, and manufacturing organizations, advocating and supporting continued achievements in job creation, technological innovation, and economic stability. PISA provides corporate membership opportunities in two categories, industry and allied. Over the years, a lot of amazing companies have become members of PISA, but don't take my word for it. Click on the directory on their website and see for yourself. In order to become a member of PISA, all you need to do is go to PESA.org, click on the membership tab, and fill out an application. Once again, that's PESA.org. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G.com. Home to the prolific Permian Basin and Eagle Ford Plays, Texas is North America's most active oil-producing region, and its midstream operators handle millions of barrels of crude and cubic feet of natural gas every single day, which is why Heart Energy developed its annual Midstream Texas Conference and Exhibition, giving industry professionals a comprehensive look at midstream business activity from the state's premier shale plays to its massive Gulf Coast refining complexes. Join us at Midstream Texas May 23rd through the 24th, 2017 in Midland, Texas at the Midland County Horseshoe Arena. You can register for this great event at MidstreamTexas.com. Once again, that's MidstreamTexas.com. We'll see you there. And we are back. Our guest today is David Porter, the former commissioner of the Texas Railroad Commission. David, before the break, we were talking about OPEC and uh about three years ago, their decision to uh, open production and flood the market with crude oil. And, um, you know, before the break, you were talking about how they had done this in the 80s. They tried it again, not getting the same results, if you will, like they had um, when they tried it in the 80s. But what was the difference that changed and how did it uh, work in their favor and did their strategy work overall? Okay, I, I really think that the huge difference in why it didn't work this time is that, like many people, the Saudis did not really understand how radical a transformation the U.S. energy industry had undergone, the oil and gas industry had on, undergone through hydraulic fracturing and, and the shale plays how it really was a, a, a real, we use the term game changer, sea change, but it really was. And, and that's what they didn't understand. The fact that the resource plays were such that you could pretty much just continue drilling and produce um, that, that dry holes were almost impossible not entirely, but really impossible to get under proper use of this technology. So they really didn't have an understanding that the technology that had been uh, that had evolved was completely different. But it was there also some areas there in which, you know, they're built off of a different model than the U.S. producers. Um, their whole entire uh, economy and the way that they've lived is built off of $100 a barrel. That's what they're used to, whereas we're a free market and energy just plays one part of, um, you know, our overall economy here in the United States. So did, was that a game changer for us as well as for them looking at the differences between the different countries and how we operate as a free market system versus them operating in the way they operate in their country? 
Oh, I, I certainly think you've got a very, very good point there that you're making that uh, understanding the difference in our system versus their, their system where they're basically on a large company top down uh, command um, function of their economy. They're very cumbersome while the US model, many, many companies and each independent and looking out for their own interests and their own best way of doing things that that enabled the U.S. producer to be far more efficient, to take advantage of the new technology, to take advantage of the changes in the industry. And where prices started dropping, uh, U.S. firms reacted far more quickly and efficiently to the change in circumstances than I think anybody intended them to do. And that that's what made the difference. And it's continuing to make the difference. Uh, I'm sure some point in time we're going to talk about what's going on right now with the extension that uh, Russia and Saudi Arabia and OPEC have proposed to make in coming up in their meeting. They have, there's an OPEC meeting coming up May 25th that they're proposing to make to extend these cuts. Is it, do you, you think it's a fair statement to say that it's more in their f- favor, it benefits them more to keep the price at a reasonable scale than the U.S. producers. Because I think what we are seeing is the U.S. producers, while, of course, price is the most important thing, if it goes lower, it's not going to hurt them and cut production as much in areas like the Permian Basin that they will continue to keep drilling versus what they have to deal with in uh, Saudi Arabia and other countries. So how important is it for them versus us to make sure that they keep uh, the price at a decent rate at 50, 60, somewhere in there? It's extremely important. And what we have to remember is that most of these countries are looking at oil not in an economic viewpoint in that they're a business trying to make a profit and whether or not they're the lowest cost preser- uh, producer. Because U.S. producers, while we're certainly not the high-cost producer anymore, we're not the lowest-cost producer in the world. But our companies are independent oil companies, and they're concerned with making a profit. While many of the OPEC countries, it's not that they're just making money on their oil production. They've got to make enough money on their oil production to fund their government, fund their um, programs for their, their citizens. So it's it's not just a matter of staying positive cash flow. They've got to make enough money to keep the government functioning and giving the services to their, their population. And, and that's why they've got to get oil prices up in, in the long run, or a lot of the OPEC countries are going to be in in trouble as far as uh, delivering the goods and services that their citizens are expecting them to produce. Very, very interesting. David, we do have to take a real quick break. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Oil Field Experts is the only place you need to go to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs. Specializing in hard-to-find oil-filled parts for your fleet maintenance needs, oil-filled experts have been providing parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us to get the right part right now. 
Here's the number, so write it down. Oil Field Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. And we're back. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is former commissioner of the Texas Railroad Commission, David Porter. David, before the break, we were talking about the differences between countries um, like Saudi Arabia and how and what do they have to look at when they uh, either open production or close or, you know, cut off production and, and how it benefits their country. And it's a little bit bigger for them to look at the situation of the price of oil versus U.S. independent producers or U.S. producers and, and what they think about when they are, you know, going into a drilling area. So I want to get back on that topic and discuss a little bit. Now, we have seen that OPEC has committed to continuing to cut uh, production, which, of course, should uh, keep prices somewhere in a decent area of where they are right now. I want to get your thoughts on, um, do you think that they're going to follow through with this? What are your thoughts on uh, how do we end up through the rest of the year with OPEC and these prices? Glad you asked that question. I've got some interesting stats here. And, but yes, uh, right now, the May 25th OPEC meeting is coming up. Russia, Saudi Arabia have announced that they're going to cut production for another nine months. And I definitely think short term, that's why prices bounce back up from mid, mid 40s uh, back up to around 50. But they've got a real problem. And what it is, is OPEC cuts back, U.S. shale producers increase production. Yeah, we, we go to town on that. <laughs> Here, here's OPEC's projections for non-OPEC production in 2017. Back in August of 2016, OPEC was projecting that non-OPEC producers were going to reduce production by 100,000 barrels per day in 2017. Okay, in November of 2016, and this is when OPEC did their first cut, they were projecting at that point in time that non-OPEC producers were going to increase their production by 200,000 barrels per day. So we were supposed to lower, and they were going to increase just a little bit. Okay. And and then— then when they did the cut, they were projecting that we were going to increase by 200,000 barrels a day, or the entire non-world, non-OPEC world production. Now, right now, they came out with this just a few days ago, May 2017. OPEC's projection is that non-OPEC production is going to increase by 950,000 barrels per day Wow! in 2017. And out of that 950,000 barrels per day, 820,000 is coming from the U.S., mostly from shales. Wow. I mean, to go from thinking 100,000 to 950,000 is the actual or projected actual, that's a huge difference. Huge. Well, that's Yeah, it's a huge difference. And they have a huge problem if they, if they keep cutting and we keep increasing at some point in time if that continues on they're they're going to say enough is enough we're not cutting our production if uh, all the benefits going to go to u.s producer and so then if if we get to that point and that happens what is your hypothesis on what happens next 
Is it that we just, again, flood the market with oil coming from Saudi Arabia and all these other OPEC countries? The United States producers are producing. Russian Russia puts their stuff on the market, too. They're, in, they're oil and gas, and, and we uh, have another crash, if you will. Is that the scenario that could happen? Uh, of course it's possible it could happen. That That's why I've been kind of predicting that rolling band between high 30s, low 40s, up to around close to 60, just kind of up and down, up and down. I think we're going to modulate in that price. I think once we get down around 40 into the high 30s, that, that production will, will start shutting down and eventually prices will rise. But but that's why I just kind of see that undulating uh, price wave in there is, you know, we get up to 60 and then production will, or in, anywhere close to that production is going to increase enough that prices will decrease. Um, you know, free market um, prices usually self-correct over time. Well, you know, David, I guess what comes to mind for me is, so we have a lot of different moving parts and uh, you'd have to have a crystal ball to know what's going to happen. But if you had to take a guess, what do you see happening here between the United States producers and OPEC in a little bit in a long-term type of situation since there's so much oil that, that, that we are producing? You know, seriously, when I talk privately, and I spend a lot of time what I'm doing now talking to guys that run oil and gas companies, both small producers and even a number of publicly held companies. And, and, and their private fear, none of them really want to say this too publicly, but is that there's just so much oil and gas reserves out there right now that they're, they're afraid that prices may never recover to exactly the where they would like them to get because there are a lot of reserves out there. There's a lot of shale plays that are coming on. Uh, a lot of people think there's a lot of production in the Permian Basin. Just to take one example, that's still not being utilized fully to what, what it will be when it gets ramped up with all the new shale and horizontal techniques that they're using there. Uh, that I, I think that's most oil men's pri private nightmare is that um, oil and gas prices may may not approach that that peak hundred plus price anytime in the near future. Well, we do have to take a quick break. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Hey, oil and gas friends, Alvin Bailey here. You know, every week Kim and I work really hard to bring you up to speed with what's going on out here in the Texas oil patch. I also want to take just a minute to talk to you about your fleet needs. Whether you have one truck or 1,000 trucks in your fleet, I can help you. Call me when you have a minute and let's talk trucks. Did you know that the Kalig Auto Group offers pickup and delivery right from our service departments? And I'll bring the dealership right to your desk. You don't need to drop what you're doing and come waste hours and hours of your valuable time haggling over pennies. I have a very transparent process with a simple pricing formula that ensures you're always going to get a very competitive price and the very best service available in the industry. So call me today, area code 830-480-3656. Again, 830-480-3656, and let's talk. 
The Kalig Auto Group has Ford and Ram trucks for your heavy-duty needs. We also carry Mazda, Subaru, Volkswagen, Jeep, even Lincoln and Lexus for your luxury needs, and we have an Audi store coming soon. So whether you need work trucks for your day-to-day business or a new Lincoln or Lexus for you personally, call me. My cell number is 830-480-3656. Again, 830-480-3656. Or you can always email me, abailey at kaligauto.com. That's abailey, B-A-I-L-E-Y, at kalig, K-A-H-L-I-G, auto, A-U-T-O, dot com. I look forward to seeing you down the road. Have you heard of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, the largest state association in the country? 87 years strong, serving independence, and it's right here in Texas. Offices in Houston, Austin, and Wichita Falls. Over 3,000 members of all ages like you who are in the oil and gas industry or who have family members and friends who are. Company members range from one employee to large independents. Lobbying, networking events, and saving you money. For a membership tailored just to fit your budget, contact Sandy Simon at sandis at texasalliance.org or call 281-997-7223. That's 281-997-7223. And we're back. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is none other than the former commissioner of the Texas Railroad Commission, David Porter. David, before the break, we were talking about OPEC. But I do want to switch gears because there's a lot of information now surfacing, a lot of buzz going on, if you will, on China and a new deal that the U.S. is entering into for natural gas. So let's talk a little bit about that. We recently agreed to to partner with China, if you will. And honestly, the trade deal that's up on the table could generate something close to $26 billion for America annually. So tell me a little bit about this deal, what's going on there, and tell us about how it's going to benefit the United States. Recently, the the U.S. government in China came to a trade deal that basically was about cattle, chicken, and LNG gas. Those three seem like they go together. <laughs> cattle, chicken, and, and natural gas, Sure. Well, it takes the natural gas to cook the chicken and the cattle. There you go. So they but, came to an uh, agreement. Right. And I don't think all the terms have been totally released yet. So we, we still have a lot to see. But my understanding of the agreement is that up to 19.2 billion cubic feet per day can be sent to China as far as uh, natural gas. And to kind of put that in perspective, that, that is a lot of natural gas. Our exports to Mexico right now are running somewhere at five, six billion feet per day into Mexico. So that's um, two, two and a half times that figure. But, but that's the potential. Uh, China is currently the third largest importer of LNG in in the world uh, behind um, Japan and South Korea, but they certainly have the potential to become the largest, biggest importer of LNG. And I know you and I have talked on on the program and off the program several times about the potential for LNG as far as the United States, the different 
uh, terminals that are being built in Texas as well as some other places around the country and what a big potential boost that could be to the natural gas business in the U.S. So this, this has the potential of being a pretty major um, plus for the natural gas business in the U.S. And, and what I was going to say, what I found very interesting about the timing in this announcement, Australia, who is a large exporter of LNG, particularly to the countries in Northeast Asia that we were talking about, China, Japan, South Korea, recently has had some pressure from their federal government from the Australian federal government on the LNG exporters in Australia to cut back that they were afraid that Australia was going to have a natural gas shortage in the future and they did not want to export uh, as much natural gas as they had been exporting and uh, which which I found very interesting which could be very beneficial for the US exporters and over the last couple of years, Australia has elected in several of their states some very liberal anti-oil and gas uh, governments that have really cut back in drilling and have been hostile about pipelines and et cetera. And, and now it's showing up to the detriment of the Australian economy. Natural gas is one of these fuels that really burns cleaner. It is a solution for the future. And so it really does help in the way of if you are wanting to do a business greener, this is one of those fuels that you can look at. It doesn't necessarily need to just be about solar and wind. But, David, my question, though, is, is so what is not really known is the LNG export that we were doing, how has it changed from maybe five years ago when you rarely heard anything um, about it in the media? Well, how many countries were really using the United States to um, export our uh, LNG to them or natural gas to them? And has it increased and do you see it continuing to increase? Of course, provided that you know the price increases but this really are game changers for us so i want to talk a little bit about the differences between back then and now with natural gas and exporting to these countries the main reason it has changed is because five six years ago we did not have an excess of natural gas but with the success and in, in the shale plays and what's transpired in texas in the hainesville what started earlier in the up in the, you know, what's going on in the Eagleford, what's going on in the Permian Basin. But where really the the huge activity has been as far as natural gas in the last couple of years has been in the Marcellus and the Utica. There's been a huge increase. And quite frankly, five years ago, we didn't have terminals to export LNG, which now we're finally Bringing exporting. Them online they're 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 slowly coming online and they will continue to come online in the future depending on how, how many of the ones that are in process right now get finally get built but uh, we we had neither the gas nor the export capacity five years ago we we, we have both now interesting well you know and i think the other thing though is you know other countries were really, our, our allies were having to purchase 
their these resources from other countries that really were not very favorable to them or the United States. And so in some ways, this has really been a, a good thing because now it allows us to sell natural gas to our allies as well and gives us that opportunity to build better and greater relationships. Would you not agree? I, I totally agree with what you're saying. The, the geopolitical ramifications of us being us, the United States being able to supply natural gas both to Europe and to parts of Asia are tremendous compared to uh, where they had to get that natural gas from just just a few years. We we could do probably an entire month of shows just talking about that in and of itself. Well, David, there's one thing that I can say in closing the show. We definitely live in very interesting times. If you are working in the oil and gas energy industry. And with that, David, we're out of time. Thank you for being a guest on our show. And as always, we look forward to having you come back and discuss more energy-related topics since you are such an expert on this matter. Thank you, Kim. I'm very excited about my new role. I'm going to be on the show more in the future and I'm looking forward to it. That's going to wrap up another great show for us. We'll see you next week with more exciting news and insightful interviews. Adios. In the oil patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bellotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.